Welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, had two games this week, and it was a tale of two very different games. They got beat pretty good in their first game. Didn't look very competitive against the Blues. But the second game in Winnipeg, they played very well. And uh, one, I would say one of their, well, they did get outshot, but still, it was a pretty good effort by the Blackhawks. Yeah, I I would agree with that assessment. It uh, the the game against the Blues was obviously pretty much a disaster from the beginning to the end. The Blackhawks not only are obviously a less talented team, but they were not giving the greatest of effort, and the Blues pretty much blew them out blew them out of the rink, and that elicited a response from. Uh, Derek King, who was pretty vocal in his uh, assessment that the team wasn't ready to play. And uh, seems like the players kind of took that criticism to heart and came out and uh, played a much stronger game against Winnipeg. Um, as you said, the Jets did outshoot them. Uh, and, it, you know, it's not like it was a dominant performance by the Blackhawks, but uh, the effort was there throughout the entire game. And, you know, that's the way that the Blackhawks have to win. Um, you know, uh, getting out shot is not an unusual occurrence for this team, even when they're playing well, because there's still a talent gap between them and uh, some of the competition they are facing. Mm-hmm. And, well, with their winning strategy, of course, is when they get their chances, especially with the Brinkett and, Kane, among others, you got to cash them in, and they did. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that they they did in this game was they actually shot the puck with a little more frequency than they generally do. Um, guys were not afraid to pull the trigger. One of the features of the Blackhawks game for a long time has been to – I mean, and going back to when they were successful too, they will bypass uh, okay. easy shot opportunities. They're looking you know, for the perfect. They they they, yeah. they know that cross ice passes. If you can if you can complete a pass from one circle to the other and get a, a quality shot off, your odds of scoring are astronomically higher than they are if you just come down the wing and shoot the puck. Which is of course why the defense gears up to stop those plays. Exactly. And, you know, there are times and it's, it's grown more frequent with the, as the talent drain has happened, the Blackhawks have, but even when they were going good, there were stretches where they would try and make those plays and the opponents were breaking them up and the, the goal scoring would, would dry up at times. If you kind of keep with that philosophy, you do end up making up for the fact that yeah, some of those passes are going to get broken up, and you're not going to you're going to you're going to have an offensive possession where you're essentially turning the puck over and not getting a shot off, but it leads to more quality opportunities to actually score, and uh, that that kind of uh, happened in. Uh, the Winnipeg game. I, I do think it was a, a bit of a combination of both where, especially early on in the game, they were 
just going ahead and firing the puck from wherever they were at. And I do wonder if that maybe loosened up the Jets defense where they couldn't just always play the pass. Maybe they were, they had to uh, Almost respond. Like, a, like for lack of a better in football, you've got to run to set up the pass. Yeah. And vice versa too. You know, if you're always running, you kind of need to throw some passes to keep eight guys out of the box and, and vice versa. And I, I do wonder if that's sort of thing kind of played a role in, in this game. Cause uh, yeah. And you know, it was the, it was the usual suspects, you know, it was Kane scoring. It was Debrinket scoring. But of course, Kane scoring this year has not been as usual as it normally right. is, but yeah, I mean, he's still third on the team in goal scoring, though. So, I mean, yeah, he's definitely off of his normal pace. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a good oh, yeah, effort. Like, like you were saying, how often we've we seen this year and in the past, but especially this year, like a great looking opportunity, and by the end, you've passed it and not even gotten a shot off, or right. you pass it to somebody who's like it ends up on carpenter's stick, yeah. and you're like. Mm. Well, and I think that's that's been part of the reason why, uh, you know, the goal scoring is, has uh, dried up a little bit over the last couple of years is as the talent has been drained off of the roster, how many times have we seen like Ryan Carpenter kicking shifts with Patrick Kane? I, you know, even when Kane makes a good play and makes a good pass, it's ending up on a guy <laughs> stick like Ryan Carpenter and those guys aren't aren't going to be able to cash in as often as a guy like Debrinket or whoever. Yeah. So, I mean, you have like years ago, it would be, you'd have Bersteeg or, yeah. or Sharp or. Yeah. I mean, we'd be able to pull guys like Dustin Bufflin off the fourth line <laughs> and, yeah, you know, during the playoffs, you get to play with Patrick Kane. Um, and those were guys that could finish. Exactly. Exactly. Want. Yeah. You know, we had second, third line caliber players playing on the fourth line. So if you know the top line guys were struggling and you needed to throw the line uh blender in you you'd promote somebody from the fourth line and it was somebody like Troy Brower or Dustin Bufflin it wasn't Ryan freaking Carpenter or like uh, from this week Brandon Sod yes exactly yes yeah you know early in his career yeah he was you know a fourth liner and then you know, he'd get opportunities up the lineup until he eventually proved that he was worthy on a full-time basis of that. Um, you know, the same thing with like Tara Vinen, you know, he started off as a third, fourth line player, eventually got opportunities higher up. And yeah, that just isn't the case right now where the Blackhawks have fourth line caliber players playing on the fourth line, but also fourth line caliber players playing on the second and the third line, especially with guys like Taves out. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's obviously going to continue to be a struggle to score goals, but it, they need the type of effort that they put in in Winnipeg in order to score. And they at least did that. And, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to take that as a bit of a positive. Yeah. They do have a nice long home stand coming up here. Um, I think it's like six straight days or six straight games, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we get some guys to settle in. Uh, we do have our first back-to-back for, I think it's been over a month or close to a month since we've had a back-to-back. And that means Flurry's actually not going to start. Right. Yeah. So I do think in some ways we've seen him wear down a little bit 
Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so opportunity is presenting itself for Arvid Soda Bloom uh, to start tomorrow. And um, that's definitely uh, something that we want to keep an eye on throughout the rest of this year is... Especially with the, um, the rumors going around with Flurry, like the latest one was Vegas, although that was shot down, but... Yeah, that, that, that seems pretty unusual where you had the GM of the other team just come out and say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. But given the circumstances of his departure, um, I don't, it, that, that, that response doesn't surprise me. And I, I, I don't think Fleury ever intended to, that, that that was somewhere that he would go back to anyway. So uh, yeah, uh, but Soderblom's a guy, he's, he's their only goalie that they have under contract for next year. And he's had a solid season in Rockford. Uh, I think it's very likely that he kind of takes over the Kevin Lankinen role next year where he's kind of the 1B. And yep. whether or not they bring back Fleury or find some other veteran yep. or bring back Lankinen maybe to, to be the starter. Um you would think uh, they would go for some kind of veteran presence too, but you never know. I, yeah, I, you know, I would I, I would expect them to go that route if they do decide to bring back Lincoln. In, um, you know, it might it might mean that they decide Soderblom needs a little bit more time in Rockford. This is his first year in North America, and he's he's still relatively young, so that's not out of the question where they'd want to you know kind of keep three deep in the goaltending ranks. And even so if you I, want to get somebody that's like for like a one year to build up their right, maybe flip them at the deadline if you're not. Yeah, there. exactly. You know, find somebody who's who's struggled this year, but they can come in and maybe, yeah, you know, get a get a solid half a season under their belt, and then yeah, you know, even if you flip them for like a third round pick or something, it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it, that that that's one of the more interesting storylines I think for the uh, second half of this year is how much we actually see of Soder Bloom and how he looks when when he does get opportunities. And the same goes for Lankinen. I mean, even though he is a, a free agent, I do think there's a decent chance that they bring him back mm -hmm. uh, at least to compete with Soder Bloom for the backup job. Yeah. So and Lankinen is supposed to be back. Uh, kind of at the end of this month. So that'll be an interesting uh, scenario to, to keep an eye on. And you then, know. yeah, I mean, you know, we're just kind of counting down the days until the deadline and some yeah. of the veterans get moved out. And then, you know, hopefully we get to see a few more of the young guys take on regular roles. That'd be good. Um, so I was thinking, because there's not really much going on with the, like, you know, the actual, the season, Kind of like we said, we're waiting for kind of the trade deadline. But something I've been wondering about, because there's all this talk about Kirby Doc, you know, he's been kind of disappointing. They're going to move him to wing or whatever. But I think about the Blackhawks in general. They have not been very good at developing their talent in the minor leagues and stuff. It seems oh. like they have not been. And I just, we haven't, we don't talk about it a lot, but. It's really yeah. been a problem for a few years. Honestly, it's been a, a big issue for a decade. Um, the 
yeah, the development for a long time in Rockford has not been there, but not only have the, when they have had talent down there, have they not progressed the way that you would hope, but anytime that the Blackhawks do have tended to find any <clears throat> decent talent in, you know, through the draft or through European free agents or whatever, those guys tend to bypass the minors or play very little down there. I mean, um, you know, you go back to Tara Vine and Marcus Kruger, all these guys, they, they played like 30, 40 games in the AHL yes. and then they were up and, you know, they eventually secured their, you know, Brandon Sott didn't really play in the AHL, you know, um, Nick Letty only played in the AHL because of the, um, uh, the lockout yeah. or strike again. I don't even remember what it, which one it was at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, you know, the, the, the Hawks were in win now mode for a long time. And anytime they got a decent talent, they generally just brought them up and inserted them and let them learn at the NHL level. And I think that that strategy as they, kind of morphed from Stanley cup competitor to falling down the ranks a little bit over the last five years. Uh, they continued with that philosophy, you know, um, guys like uh, Gustav Forsling, he was up at 19 years old and yeah, they did end up shuttling him back and forth between the AHL and the NHL quite a bit. Um, but they never really allowed him to just develop mm-hmm. as they probably should have. Yes. And I think that's been to the team's detriment and to those players' detriment. Yeah. Because I mean, if you but think oh, about like the defenseman, right? Like Yoki Haru. Yep. Brought right up. 19. Yep. Yeah. And they got rid of him. Yep. He's exactly. Much better in Buffalo. Then exactly. you've got Boquist, who has 10 goals this year. It's been looking very good. Right. And again, yeah. didn't play in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go back to prior to the um, the cup years, yeah, Taves and Kane skipped the minors. You know, those are rare exceptions. And, and you know, but even Taves played a year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but those were top three draft picks in the NHL. Um, Dustin Bufflin played two years in the AHL. Christopher Steak played multiple years in the AHL. Um, those are all like, but that was a decade ago. Right, exactly. But all uh, all of those guys that that form the core of the team outside of Taves and Kane and Sharp and Hosa, you know, I mean, there were a couple of guys skipped and a couple of guys came in from the outside of the organization. You know, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, uh, John Merson, Versteeg, uh, even though he was acquired in trade, he still spent time in the AHL, Bufflin, Brower, all those guys spent two or three years together down in the AHL playing with each other. Yes. And I think that that, you know, And that helped. was the last time they had real. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Boland played down there too. You know, I mean, that, that, that group was down there. I, I mean, obviously Keith and, and, uh, Seabrook were a little bit before those guys, but you did have guys like James Wisniewski and a couple of the defensemen. Bufflin was playing defense a lot back then. Um, after, that forward. The cup, after the cup, it's like they, they stopped. Like, yeah. The, you know, okay. anytime they got anybody, whether it was Saad or, or um, Tara Vinen, they just came right in and they the skipped the I can, 
that's really had a big would be Hagel recently. That was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he got a decent, he got a decent run in the AHL. And by the time he came up, he was a little more prepared. Would you, um, Andrew Shaw would, or. He might've played a year in the AHL. Maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But, no, because you know what? I want to say he played an extra year of junior because he was an overager when they drafted him. Oh, okay. He actually got bypassed his first year in the draft. Nobody took him. And then the Blackhawks took him. And then, yeah, I think he played like a half a year in the minors. And then he was up for good. So he, it, he's a little sl- a slightly different scenario just because he was a little older. But yeah. still, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. He was a guy that did it, you know, at least had to work a little bit and develop before he came up. Um, but yeah, the Blackhawks, I think for the last few years, as the team has, has struggled, they continued to not play guys in the minors, be it Kirby doc, be it, um, Boquist, you know, and all these guys, and they've been learning at the NHL level. And that is a really tough thing. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times. I think they've done Philip Kurashev, yeah. uh, um, a disservice. I think he should have been down in Rockford playing yeah. with. Reichel the entire year or it he's been overwhelmed exactly I mean there are times where he looks like he belongs in the NHL and he's playing with confidence but there are so many games where he is just invisible Mm -hmm. and he's playing 10 minutes 12 minutes whereas you know he should be down in the AHL playing power play penalty kill five on five top six minutes and I just think that that would be far better for his development. You know, it's one of those things that I fall into this trap too. And a lot of people do. Well, you're bad. These games don't matter. So why not bring all the rookies up? That's that's the wrong philosophy, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we're even seeing it a little bit with, you know, somebody like, um, uh, Jakob Galvis, who is a little bit older. He did play in, you know, professional leagues in Europe and, you know, is uh, probably a little more ready than the Baudans and a, a couple of guys like that. But, you know, I mean, he came up, his first two games were really solid, struggled in like his third game. And then they sent him down for a while. He just came back up, played two games. He was pretty terrible in both games. And he got sent back down and I saw people complaining. I was like, well, why are we not playing Galvis over, you know, and putting Eric Gustafson back in? First of all, if Galvis isn't ready, he isn't ready. Second of all, you know, it's not like after the trade deadline when a few, you know, like when DeHaan's gone and and presumably Gustafson's gone and there's a little bit more playing time available. Even in those scenarios, there's still going to be times where, you know, if their games are slipping, maybe you don't send them down to the AHL, but you can scratch them for a game. And if they don't have to play every game, and I think people lose sight of that where it's like, oh, you know, we're just wasting time with these other guys when, you know, a guy like Elvis or a guy like Baudin, they just need to play all the time. I, we did that with Fort, with Gustav Forsling. It didn't, it, it doesn't necessarily translate. And sometimes guys just need a break and to step away and it's it's the, it, there's not one right way to do it every time. I mean, some guys can skip the AHL. Some guys 
need multiple years in the AHL. Some guys can come in like a Brandon Hagel. As soon as he got into the lineup, he's never really, his play has never really fallen off to the point where he needed to get scratched or anything. Yeah. There were a few times where it was probably good to send him down to the third or the fourth line, but for the most part, his plays remained fairly consistent. Well, that was, by the way, I'll just, I'll pivot to this real quick. That stuff with Hagel was, I don't know what that was with the, Rumor that he was going to go for the first round pick. And I don't know if people were angry, like, do you have to get rid of him? And other people like, I don't think that's a real offer. Honestly, I think that that's what the Blackhawks need to be shooting for with a Brandon Hagel trade. And I don't know if they leaked that information out there to try and set the market or if they actually have received those offers. But uh, honestly, I think that is what the Blackhawks need to get in order to move Brandon or Brandon's out, uh, Brandon Hagel. Um, but cause yeah, I mean, he's a guy with multiple years left on his contract. He's in his prime. He brings the type of energy and depth scoring that a contender needs. Every contender can use a guy like him. And the fact that they're going to get him for multiple Stanley cup runs means that, yeah, well, not only are they going to get him for multiple Stanley Cup runs, his contract allows him to fit on literally every team. You know, so many of these guys that, that get traded at the deadline, their market is limited to not every contender. It's the contenders that can actually afford their contracts. Brandon Hagel literally fits on every roster. Well, and personally, I would want to keep him anyway, but. Yes. Well, I, I mean, that's the leverage that the Blackhawks have. He's both young enough and under contract for long enough where. If they don't get the right offer for him, they don't have to move him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you get like a, uh, you know, I'm, I, the, the guy that kind of comes to mind is like Barclay Goodrow with Tampa mm-hmm. Bay a couple of years ago. You know, everybody was shocked. It was like, oh, who gives up a first round pick for Barclay Goodrow? And now uh, he's pretty good. He, well, not only is he hard, you know, is he pretty good? But again, it was a guy with multiple years on his contract. It was cheap enough. His, and his contract was cheap enough where Tampa Bay could afford him for, for those multiple years. Hagel's the same kind of guy. And not only that, is he's cheaper and he's more of a goal scorer than he is, uh, you know, a, a bottom six grinder. So it's a slightly different scenario, but the contract I think is, is uh, a close enough scenario where um, I think that's, that's kind of what the Blackhawks need to be shooting for. Um, you know, you think, I bet you're right. I bet the Blackhawks, it's almost like a way of the Blackhawks leaking out. We could you could get anyone from us if you make a big enough offer, right? And you know, oh, I think the report even said, oh, they've already received report, you know, offers of a first round pick and a prospect. I think that's basically a way of saying, hey, if you're going to come calling, don't waste our time. Exactly. This is the bare minimum. You know, you're not going to get away with just a you know a late first round pick for Brandon Hagel. You know, I. That doesn't make any sense for the Blackhawk because basically at that point in the draft, you're basically hoping your guy, the guy that you draft, turns into a Brandon Hagel. Yeah. But you've only got like a 30% chance of that. So a late first round pick does not equal multiple years of Brandon Hagel. No. They need to get, uh, my actual preference would be to get a, a draft pick in the 2023 draft, not the 2022 draft just in case that team ends up falling off, like maybe like Montreal did where, you know, yeah, they're good this year, but they might suck the next year. Mm -hmm. And then you might get a lottery pick out of that. Yeah. 
Um, but in, in the case of Hagel, not only do you need to get that first round pick, you need to get a prospect that's not just a maybe. It's the, yeah. you got to get somebody that can probably step into the NHL within the next year or two and have a, and you've, you've got enough information on them. You've scouted them enough where you feel pretty confident that they're going to be an actual NHL player. Yeah. So that to me is kind of the, the bare minimum of what the expectation for Brandon Hagel needs to be. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's about what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty much all we've got. The trade deadline is getting. Yeah. Cold. Yeah, you know, the, the schedule was pretty light this week with just the two games, and, you know, there was no uh, off-the-ice uh, stupidity that we needed to deal with this week, so. Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's progress. Exactly, yeah. So I don't mind a, a slightly lighter episode this this week. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we've got back-to-backs here uh, with Columbus and Dallas. And then a day off and then a game against Florida. So they got three games in four days. So a busy kind of end of the week before they got a nice little break of four days again. So um, I think we mentioned it last week. This is kind of the month where um, the Blackhawks had had a heavy schedule of games prior to this, but this is kind of the month when all those other teams are going to make up their games in hand against the Blackhawks. It's just not a very, condensed schedule for them yep well we'll be here yep. to talk about it and whatever other rumors get leaked out or whatever we'll yep. govern it so yeah uh, michael you're on twitter mj underscore ernst and i'm fkh85 i should add right before we go that i am in a good mood the rams <laughs> did win the super bowl yes congratulations sir in case people didn't know that and I think you, everyone knows it, but yeah. So I apologize to all the Bengals fans. They were a likable team, and I would have liked them too if they weren't going against the Rams, but they did win, so. That's right. And, you know, I was rooting for the Bengals, but it's not not like I have a, a, a huge affinity for them. And, frankly, in, in my life, um, I've gotten used to rooting for the Super Bowl loser because it's pretty much happened every year of my existence. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it's not a, I'm just, I'm happy that you're happy, man. All right. Well, on that upbeat note, maybe we'll have a Blackhawks title someday again. Yeah, we'll we'll get back there at some point. Get the Bears a quarterback. I already got one. I already got one. I've got faith. Yes, that's right. All right.